So, the reading this morning is Psalm 19. And it has the title, For the Director of Music, a Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, uh, so the, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, and the final verse of this psalm is one that's often uh, prayed at the start of sermons. So I'm going to pray those words for us. Heavenly Father, as we come to see uh, and look at your word today, we pray, uh, or I pray, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, but also all of our hearts may be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I first started here 10 years ago, uh, it be 10 years ago in November, um, we uh, began a sermon series in the new year, in the, in the January, January 2012. And I don't know uh, how many people remember what that sermon series was, or, uh, or even how many people were here for that sermon series. And the sermons, I've got the term card, I found the term card uh, in my office as I was preparing this sermon. Um, and uh, we looked at Psalm 127, um, and uh, we, at the start of Psalm 127 uh, says this, unless the Lord builds the house. Does, that, does anyone remember this? I'm sure there may only be a few people here, a few people here, because I know that, you know, ah, thank you. Uh, you know, we have a, a wonderful community that tra- can be quite transient here. Um, um, 
unless the Lord builds uh, the house. And one of the things we said uh, when we uh, arrived here and we wanted to continue doing it at Christchurch is we wanted this to be a place that was built on, on God and on, on his glory and, and aware that actually unless he built stuff, it wasn't going to, uh, wasn't going to last. Uh, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers uh, labor in vain. And we made a thing about saying, actually, this wasn't, it's not my church, it wasn't Graham's church. Um, it was Christ's church, Christ's church belonging uh, to him. Uh, and so I'm loving the fact that actually this final sermon, final Sunday here, we're again looking at God's glory uh, and the focus that we're putting, uh, putting onto him, which is what Psalm uh, 19 uh, is all about. Um, I'm going to take us through the psalm uh, in three different parts, like any good sermon, three points. Um, God's unspoken word, number one. God's spoken word, number two. And God's searching word, uh, number three. God's unspoken word, God's spoken word, God's searching word. So first of all, God's unspoken word. Psalm 19 begins uh, pointing to the glory of of uh, God in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they declare his glory. And yet it it talks about the speech going out uh, from God. It says uh, that they pour forth speech. And yet in the next verse, the very next verse, verse 3, we get this paradox. It says that yet they have no speech. It says they use no words, no sound is heard uh, from them. And you kind of think, well, that's a bit odd. The first few verses, it says they pour forth speech. Next verse, it says they don't have any speech. What's going on there? Uh, And yet, I don't think it takes uh, a genius to work out what uh, the psalmist, what David is trying to say. And I think we all understand that actually creation pours forth speech about God and about his glory, yet it doesn't use words uh, to do that. The glory of God. And it says that God's glory in creation, um, it says it's wonderful, it says it's constant, it says it's everywhere. God's glory in creation is uh, wonderful. I think it answers the question as to why when we see a sunset or we see a sunrise, something is stirred within us. When we go outside and we see the sky that's maybe clear and you can see the stars, there's something in us that, that it, it, our soul is in some way raised up uh, to God. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, ever uh, been with anyone, I, I haven't, uh, been with anyone watching a sunset uh, and they've looked at it and they've said, meh, not that impressive. Or have been outside and seen the stars in the sky, in a clear sky and said, well, yeah, they're a bit boring, aren't they? I've never been along with anybody who's ever said that. There's something in us that is stirred within us that says, that is wonderful. And that stirring, that, that beauty, is they, the fact that they declare God's glory. God's creation and the glory it shows is wonderful. It, it's also constant. Verse 2, day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they declare his glory. I, always find, I know that this might sound very silly, but I always find it amazing. You go and you look at a beautiful view. Um, I, we, we've loved going up um, Helsby Hill. I don't know how many people have been there. There's a Helsby Crag. You go up to the top and you get this amazing view um, out uh, over, over the landscape, over, over to Liverpool, and uh, you can kind of almo- almost get a 360 view. You go up there and you see it, and I, you try and soak it in. I, I try and sort of, you know, I, I want to sort of take it and bottle it. But if you've ever, you know if you've ever tried to take a photo of a view and you think, this is great, this is going to be great, and you get home and there's this tiny thing on the screen and you're thinking, oh, that doesn't, doesn't look like anything like what... 
I saw when I was there. Uh, what amazes me is that that view is still there whether I'm looking at it or not. The view's there and it's amazing. And I walk off and it's still there. And actually, I'm in Chester and it's, the view is people, other people are enjoying it. It's, it's still there. There's a sunset going on in the, at some place in the world all the time. There's a sunrise going on at some point. It's somewhere in the world all the time. There's always a sunrise. There's always a uh, sunset somewhere. God's glory is constant. And God's glory is everywhere. Everywhere across the world there is beauty and there is creation. If you've watched any of uh, David Attenborough's uh, programs, um, uh, he regularly, well, when he goes to kind of you know, places that are desolate or, or deserts, you know, he says, says something like, even here, in the midst of the desert where no life can survive, we find life. Have you ever seen that? And actually there is life everywhere. And the thing is, it's not just everywhere, it's also for everyone. The beauty that we see in creation is not just for those who know God. For us as Christians, I've, it, it, it's for everybody. And that actually, again, being with people who aren't, wouldn't call themselves Christians, they sense something of the wonder in creation. And I find it fascinating that actually when people are you know, scientists or are studying uh, creation, and that actually uh, for some it leads them down a place of saying, well, I understand more about it, so I'm not sure I need to believe in God. But for many, it leads them down a line of saying, this is just wonderful. Look at the intricacy of creation and the beauty of creation. Gosh, there must be a creator here. There's something about creation that speaks God's glory. Most recently, I think I experienced that. I know it's been mentioned already, but, but at our camping that was at uh, the Giddings. Um, this was a, uh, the, the sunset uh, that was there on the, on the, I think it was the first or second evening, but the first evening uh, when we were there, um, we had the, um, had the marquee and Rich and Rosie were leading us in some beautiful worship. We were singing together outside and the sun was just setting behind the marquee and I just felt my soul lifted to God. And this psalm came to mind. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. God's unspoken word. But secondly, God's spoken word. As wonderful as creation is and what we hear through uh, God's uh, creation, in, in some ways, it's not quite enough. Uh, you can communicate so much with just, uh, without using uh, words. Um, uh, I know that uh, for, for Anna and I, sometimes uh, if we're at, at a family, uh, family meal, maybe with um, our kind of extended family, and maybe we've talked about something beforehand, or there's some kind of joke you kind of share with each other, and then someone says something around the table, uh, and I know that just by looking at Anna and cocking an eyebrow, just ever so slightly, we know exactly what's going on, and Anna usually descends into fits of giggles, and no one else knows what is, uh, what's going on. We can communicate so much without using words. Uh, I can communicate with you whether I'm happy or whether I'm sad or whether I'm uh, grumpy or whether I'm tired or curious or whatever it might be. Um, but it's difficult for me to communicate, would you like to go for a drink next week at uh, 4 p.m. on Thursday, maybe Pizza Express? Difficult to communicate that without actually using any words. Now, you might say, well, hang on a minute, you could use sign language, surely, to do that. Uh, yet sign language is just, in some ways, forming words in someone's mind. You're still communicating words with them. And so the psalm not, not only talks about God's unspoken word, it then moves on to talk about God's spoken word. 
it says again that God's spoken word is wonderful, that it is constant, and that it is everywhere. And the psalm makes some pretty bold statements about God's spoken word. I don't know, I'll, I'll read a little bit of, uh, of it uh, to you. But it talks about how the law of God is perfect. It refreshes the soul. It talks about how it um, is a delight. It's, it's ra- the, the commands of the Lord are radiant, that they give light to the eyes, uh, that they are trustworthy, that they bring life. And again, you read that and you kind of feel that is a big statement about God's word. Is that really what we believe happens and what we believe God's word is? Well, God's word speaks of the glory of God in similar ways to creation. It, it kind of shows the world around us. It gives us perspective, helps us to understand the world around us, but also gives us life, shows us how to live, tells us actually what are the best ways to have life and life to all its, uh, in all its fullness. And I think David knew this, the psalm, writing the psalm. David knew this. David knew that he needed God's word in order to live well. Uh, and if you know anything about David's life, you know that he got lots of things right, but he got some things pretty badly wrong uh, as well. And I'm sure looking back on his life, uh, actually thinking, do you know, I wish I'd studied or obeyed or got more of those statutes and the wisdom, then I wouldn't have maybe messed up those things that maybe, I, well, that I shouldn't uh, have done. Uh, David knew that actually we are often fools, and we need God's wisdom for life. If anyone maybe thinks, oh, I'm not sure I am uh, that foolish, actually. I think I make pretty good, uh, wise decisions. Um, Just uh, think about this. Um, Think about your life 10 years ago. And when you think about your life 10 years ago, I don't know if you think, uh, well, if you're anything like me, you might think, I can't believe I did some of those things 10 years ago, or held some of those viewpoints or um, thought uh, those things. And sometimes we're embarrassed. Oh, gosh, that previous person 10 years ago. I'm not, I've moved on so much maybe from 10 years ago. I know sometimes I, you know, I've been here, Christchurch, 10 years. And sometimes some of the things at the start, I think, oh, I cringe. Did I really do that? Did I really say that? I would, I would share some of them with you today, but I'm just you know, too, too embarrassed by some of them. But, of course, when we realize that, the other thing we realize is that actually 10 years from now, we're going to think exactly the same thing about what we're doing now. And David knows that we need God's wisdom for life. And that actually it brings radiance, it brings life, it brings everything. God's spoken word. And I hope that over time, my time here, you've been, I guess, inspired to read God's word, to get into it, to study it. Um, I remember that um, uh, I know that someone's from the front. I said, we're studying this book. You might want to consider reading this book through. Uh, we just finished uh, the book of Nehemiah. And I know at the start of Nehemiah, um, I said, um, you know, we're reading through the book of Nehemiah. You might want to uh, study it, re- read the whole thing through as we're just doing chunks of it uh, on a Sunday. Um, and then um, a few weeks ago, uh, someone who'd recently joined the church came up to me and said, um, well, I've read the whole of Nehemiah. Um, I'd like to know what we're studying next so I can uh, catch up and start reading that. And I thought, woohoo! <laughs> Someone has listened to that. But God's word and encouragement just to, that God's glory revealed in creation is unspoken word, but also revealed in his uh, spoken word. Thirdly, God's searching word. 
God's word in creation, God's word in scripture, God's searching word for us. Um, After uh, he's expounded the wonders of God's word, uh, David says this in verse 12, who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins that they may not rule over me. He's gone from God's glory and God's wonder and actually then gone to thinking about his own sinfulness and his own brokenness before God. What's going on there? I think one of the things that's happened, and I think happens to us as well, that as we look at God's creation, as we're surrounded by the beauty and we see a wonderful view or we see the stars in the sky, there's something in us that also realizes how small we are. And sometimes how we may even feel futile our lives are or pointless my life is in front of all of this and how small and tiny I am. And I think sometimes the same thing happens when we read Scripture. Sometimes we come to Scripture and we look at it and we study it and we kind of want to, we look at it and we think, well, I agree with that bit. I'm not so sure about that bit. Oh, I'd like to find out more about that bit. and oh, I don't know about that. And we're there studying it. And yet, really, if we come to Scripture with open hearts and asking God to speak through it to us, we realize pretty soon that actually it's not us searching the Scriptures. The Scriptures are searching us. And they're searching our hearts. And often we're found wanting when that happens. And again, possibly left feeling our brokenness, our insignificance, our futile lives. Yet, the story doesn't end there. I said earlier about God's unspoken word and God's spoken word and how God's spoken word speaks God's glory to us. In John chapter 1, we're told that the, the word became flesh. And that actually God's spoken word is ultimately revealed to us in Jesus. And that that glory we just talked about at the start of the psalm, God's glory, Jesus had and has all of that. And yet in some way forsook that to come and take on human flesh and join us. Partly to uh, meet with us, but actually also to show us God's glory here on earth, but actually also to show us that actually our lives are not pointless and not futile because of the love and the care that he has for us and that actually he gives us that life and gives us that significance through his death on the cross. God's unspoken word, glory in creation, God's spoken word through scripture and then God's searching word And ultimately, Jesus meeting with us in the word became flesh. Um, I'd like to finish with a, um, uh, just playing a song uh, for you. Um, And it's one of my uh, favorite songs. It's by uh, a band called Casting Crowns. Um, And it's a song, it's called Who Am I? Uh, And speaks about God's creation and our position before him uh, in creation Uh, and actually his love and care for us. I'm just going to play the first verse and the chorus, and then I'm going to finish by coming and praying for us.